Hello everyone and welcome to the Bavarian Podcast Works show. This is I Need No Name and today I am joined by Schnitzel on the show. Hello Schnitzel, how are you doing today? Hello and it's been a fine day so far. It's going to get busy towards the night, obviously. You know, both of us, we're people who stay late, I guess. So yeah, uh, excited to be on this pod now. Yeah, it's much more exciting than, you know, what Samarin is doing, which is watching Arsenal versus Tottenham, or Arsenal lose to Tottenham right now. Yeah, I have to agree. I'd rather watch Freiburg versus VfB Stuttgart, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I'd rather be recording this podcast because we have some interesting topics to talk about today. So why don't I get started with the first one, which is the fact that everyone's talking about it. Benjamin Pavard, is he good enough for Bayern Munich? Because as we know, this last game was not a good one for him. He got sent off due to a slightly reckless last man challenge, straight red card, and he's going to miss at least another match for Bayern, probably two if I'm not mistaken about the rules. He might play against Dinamo in midweek, but in any case, we have Joseph Stanisic, and we have the option of also putting Joshua Kimmich back at right back or even Niklas Zula. So the question I want to ask, and I'll start with asking you, Schnitzel, is, is Benjamin Pavard good enough for Bayern Munich? Is he a good enough right back for us? Interesting question. And if you had asked this question to me during the 2019-2020 season, I would have said yes. And it would have been a resounding yes, because there, there would have been very few right backs offering the level of defensive ability and solidity, as well as something in attack moving forward. But right now, he just doesn't look by in quality to me. He has not been performing to the standards we've all grown to expect of our right backs. And he's been disappointing lately, to be honest. He has been putting, uh, at best, pretty decent performances, but he's been pretty bad during the poorest stretch of his games. Yeah, that's one of the things that everyone keeps saying, that Pavard was amazing during the treble year, but now he's just, I don't know if it was the injury or if it was just the fact that we have changed as a team, but he just doesn't look the same player. And even so, I would suggest, and this is very controversial among the fandom, but you know me, you know my opinions. I said as far back as the treble year, we needed a different right back because Pavard was even in, even at his best, he's too defensive for our tactics. And the problem we have right now that is quite evident is that while everyone else on the team all the other white players seem to have gone up a level under Nagelsmann. Pavard is pretty much the same as he was before, and he was actually worse than he was in that treble year. And I don't know if he can keep starting at the moment over someone like Josef Stanisic, who is looking pretty good at the moment. Yeah, I have to agree there. And I feel like Pavard uh, has fallen a lot since the treble year. He isn't the player he used to be before. And I think the injury also must have played a significant role in, you know, causing the situation for us. And uh, the fact that, you know, Pava is nowhere uh, close to where he used to be. Uh, to, to the extent that I'd prefer Niklas Zulu at right back over Pava. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we're not heartless, okay? We get that Pavard was injured and he did push himself to really be fit after the injury, like he put Sinsha back as fast as he could. That recovery time period was probably not as long as he could have liked. And, you know, he didn't really have much rest last year. But Niklas Zula, who is a centre-back, same as Pavard, he attacks so much more. He can dribble down the left, I mean, sorry, the right field. He can cross, he can cut inside. He can do all of that. And Josef Stanisic, who doesn't have 
anywhere near the physicality or the experience that Pavard has. Stanisic looks really good. I think Stanisic, he reminds me of Philip Lam a little bit, but with far lower base stats. Like he seems to have the intelligence, which is important for a defender, but he doesn't have anything really else to his game. He doesn't have exceptional technical ability. He doesn't have exceptional passing, exceptional crossing, exceptional dribbling. So that's probably something holding him back. You know that I always wanted us to buy Serginio Dest. And I think he would have been good for us, even if Barcelona, he's not doing well there at the moment. But do you think that Pavard can still make a comeback? I So Stanisic, uh, he's more like a, you know, jack of all trades, master of none kind of player. Like he is yeah, good. He's like, at- he's like, Kimmich, but like just a little bit worse than everything, you know? Like Kimmich is a yeah. jack of all trades, master of some. Yeah, true. Yeah. Kimmich is possibly, uh, you know, top three in the world in some attributes, like, for example, you know, crossing through balls and, uh, you know, possession in midfield and press resistance. And uh, Stannis said she, none of his attributes have particularly impressed me so far, but I would say overall, he's a pretty solid player. So he makes a few mistakes here and there. Sometimes he shows inexperience on the pitch, you know, with his tackling. Sometimes his uh, passing isn't as well-timed as it should be. And his crosses are not up to the mark. But I'd say he offers a lot more than Pavar at the moment. Yeah, that's pretty damning of Pavar, considering the fact that we are basically describing Stanisic as a slightly above-average player. And then Pavar, you know, this this is a guy who's won a World Cup and in trouble. And we're saying, you know, maybe start the young, young kid over him. That I think it does does, you know, encapsulate what Bayern fans want out of their fullbacks. You look at Alfonso Davies and he's just bombing up that flag. He's absolutely murdering opponents and he's been doing it every single game since Nagelsmann took over. He's back to his very best and watching Pavard in comparison, he's not doing anything. He's not offering anything on that flank. And given that we need both our flanks to perform and we are so used to having amazing right backs like i'll just tell you i don't know about you but in the time that i've been supporting Bayern, we've had the best right back in the world except now and that's kind of jarring to me i expect us to have better than this so knowing lam and knowing Kimmich in our past in a recent past i can't really tolerate the fact that pavard is starting for us yeah yeah i understand although i would have to kind of uh, you know request you to tone down your pessimism a little bit because you know you just mentioned Pavard being useless overall and i'd say i have to oh, slightly disagree because yeah <laughs> uh, i mean okay look, yeah, look say- people say he's good at defending okay i'm gonna i'm gonna dispute that fact okay he's decent at defending he's okay at 1v1 situations he doesn't have very exceptional pace or power like Alfonso Davies, so he doesn't get to push forward enough. He's always back-passing. When he goes forward, he's always back-passing, and he invites pressure on himself. And that's something that our team just can't tolerate, that he can't deal with pressure being invited on itself. Alfonso Davies, he can break through pressure. Pavard creates pressure. And that's something that people seem to miss when they say, Pavard is defensive player. He lets Davies do whatever he wants. That's not how it works, really. Pavard is oh, well, burdening everyone. If, if you may allow me to interject at this point, I would mm-hmm. say that uh, during the treble year, the whole the, the fact that Alfonso Davies was you know given that freedom by Hansi Flick to you know move forward, surge with his you know blistering pace and uh, chip in with crosses and you know the attacking input, uh, Pavard at the back. On the other flank, he offered the defensive stability that allowed the defense to become a back three when Alfonso Davies moved forward, which uh, meant that obviously we were shipping goals that year and everyone knew our defense was not very good. But 
we certainly then lose games because the defensive structure could alter itself in order to match you know, or make for the uh, loss of one person uh, due to Davies moving forward to help out with the attack. But right now, I feel Pavar is more of like a tactical mismatch to Nagelsmann's style of play, simply because Nagelsmann's brand of football emphasizes on good defense. And the centre-backs that Bayern have right now are super solid. Like, I would say yeah, very few true. attackers can actually get past them at this point. Like, very few, if any. Because that pairing of Luca Hernandez or Nicolas, and Nicolas Zule or Upamakano, that is one of the best centre-back pairings I've seen so far in the season across Europe. And I would say they would be more than capable of, you know, restricting any movements close to the box. Which means that the duty of the right-back now is to contribute offensively as well, which Pavard isn't necessarily good at. So I get what you're saying, and I agree that we might need a more attacking right-back option moving forward. Okay, I'm not going to rag on Pavard much longer because we've already spent the opening 10 minutes of this pod, you know, trashing him a little bit. Although I think he deserves it. He's not been good. That being I mean, said... In, his, like, defense, in yeah, his defense, he's better than Bunazar. That is the lowest bar I've ever heard. Anyone could be better than Bunazar. I, I, you put me out there, I'll crawl into a ball and just roll on the pitch, okay? I'll, I'll be better than Bunazar. <laughs> playing with, yeah, Bunazar, well, playing with Bunazar is like playing with eight men. You remember when Philip Coutinho was here and we used to say, he, it's like playing with 10 men on it. Bunasar is like, it's not like he's a non-factor. He's a negative factor. Yeah, he 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 chips in with great assists, but for the opposition. Oh, man. Don't say that, <laughs> yeah. man. You're never going to sell him. So, yeah. So, even so, Bunasar may be worse than Pavard, but like Pavard is, um, he has so many right backs ahead of him. Kemek, Sula, Stanisic. Who else? Who else think, can we put I think right if Kimmich... I think if Kimish is listening to this pod, you need to be careful because he might kill you at night, you know. Yeah, if, if he can make it repeating. if he can make it to India and kill me, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine mean, by me. His, Look, man, I'm could... in I'm in medical school. I'll be fine with it if he does it. As long as he does it before my exams, okay? That's just where I am at the moment. Okay, Yozwa Kimish, if you're listening, please take note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Please do it quickly. Make it quick. And uh the next the next topic we want to talk about, which is slightly less morbid, I hope is the fact that Niklas Zula, you know, his WhatsApp messages with his agent or interpreter or whatever, we don't know what's going on with that, that got leaked. And it's now really turned the Bayern fan base against him because he was saying that he wants to get out as soon as possible. This was back when Niko Kovac was still in charge, Niko Kovac's second season, and Zula was very much hell-bent on going to the EPL. So that means that the rumors that were coming out that time weren't exactly inaccurate. So Schnitzel, I want to ask you something. Given that Sula's contract expires this summer, I mean, the coming summer, what do you think should be done with him? Like, I think there's no other correct option at this point than to extend him. But the messages that have been leaked recently do put the whole situation in a kind of, you know, very difficult spot, given that his... WhatsApp texts, uh, if, if I'm right, uh, were not really, uh, you know, very, didn't put paint him in a very good light, uh, especially that's, uh, that's, before the buying board. Yeah. That's, and that's putting it mildly. He wanted to move to, to Tottenham. Just imagine that. Yeah. I mean, what sort of a position, mental position should he have been in in order to downgrade himself like by 
just you know miles i would say that yeah, he is was, possibly he wanted to go to of, arsenal or tottenham what the hell yeah that what is one on of global me? football's biggest downgrades that's like moving from i don't know real madrid to uh sparta prague or something I don't, it's probably even worse okay, that's 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 that's, yeah. that's that's overselling it a little bit like at least arsenal no but can, let's be honest arsenal yeah, are relegation candidates Ars- yeah. arsenal are not that bad yet okay I, I hope not. Well, they're playing right now and we can't watch them because he'd rather record. But Arsenal, why am I defending Arsenal? I don't need to defend Arsenal. Anyway, so the point is that Sula, you know, that was during his fat Sul phase. Yeah, people were saying that he needs to get better. I think early Hernes also said that he really needs to be more focused on his football and all that jazz. So you can tell that he really was unsettled and he, he wanted to leave. But that being said, I agree with you that we really do have to extend him. We have a lot of centre-backs, I admit it. We have, even Pavard apparently wants to move back to centre-back, which is understandable given his performances at the moment. And also the fact that we have Tangini Onzu, Upamecano, Luca Hernandez, and we can buy anyone. But it's a good thing that, you know, we need to extend him. And if you want to say something about that, you can go ahead. Yeah, I feel like the WhatsApp messages in particular are kind of like I kind of feel bad for him because imagine if those weren't leaked. Like it's just very, you know, a bad timing and it's just very unlucky for him from my like from my perspective because if those messages weren't leaked, uh, we would all be clamoring for him to extend and the board would also be pushing for a move, right, uh, to extend him. But I'm not sure about that, the board actually, you know. I think his performances this season have given more than enough evidence to suggest that he can be one of the main center backs for Bayern moving forward into the you know next five, seven years. Like he has world class ability and that's undeniable. And his uh, pairing with Luca Hernandez is possibly one of Europe's deadliest center back duos. And he's his combination of size and speed just can't be seen anywhere else. Yeah, and he Barring also gives Virgil us yeah. Van Dijk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We can't forget about Van Dijk, otherwise Tom will, you know. So the thing about Sula as well is that he can play at right back and we kind of need him. We might need him to do that soon. He did play at right back once Pavard was sent off and he did do a good job. But I do have to say that I don't think that the WhatsApp messages matter that much. They matter to the fans, but the fans will get over it if he signs into contract extension. I remember when the fans absolutely hated Robert Lewandowski back in 2016-17. Yeah. 2016, 17? Uh, no, 2017-18. Think... Yeah, it was 17-18. Yeah. yeah, when Yup yes, Heinkes yes. was in charge. So we just absolutely hated him. And Yup said, it's not going to matter. He's going to stay at Bayern. And he was right, as always. Yup Heinkes is always right. He was right about that. And Lewandowski stayed. We forced him to stay. Everyone was saying, why not just sell him and get Timo Werner, which we're going to address in a little bit later. But he was saying that. And one of the things that was said at the time is that it doesn't matter what these guys say. Once you pull them into a commitment, they just get over it and get on with it. So that's one of the things that happens with the fans as well. We get over it. And then once the good performances start rolling in and once the contract extension is signed, he's one of us again. And it doesn't matter what he said or what he did two or three years ago, especially in a private WhatsApp chat. But the problem that I have, and I think you want to say something, I'll just give you it to you in a second. But the problem that I have is that I don't think the board is committed to extending him. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I mean, 
look, analyzing the situation right now, uh, I, uh, you all must have heard the rumors that, you know, Antonio Rudiger is being considered as one of the options to possibly replace Jula in the case of an exit. And I am struggling to not bar for that idea. Like, I feel like... Okay, come on, Rudiger, Rudiger is not yeah. as bad as he used to be, okay? No, he's so, not bad. He's yeah, not bad. yeah, has, has fixed him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me give you a few points why I think, or why, rather, I hate this move. First, his age. Zula yeah. is just 25. And I think he's 26 he's, now. Yeah, but I think he recently became, like, recently turned 26. Yeah, and yeah. Rudiger, if I remember correctly, is possibly 30 plus. Like, uh, yeah, uh, he's... I'm... No, no, oh, wait, he's 29. I'm sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah my bad, my bad. But anyways, he's four years ahead of uh, Zula. And we have a younger, right? taller, faster centre-back who possibly has a much higher ceiling than Rudiger. And also, I feel that uh, Rudiger and uh, Hernandez in the middle would be too much shithousery. Do you feel the same? Like, I feel... Uh, they're, they're, just... they're too much of the same kind of player, if you want to yeah. say it that way. Yeah. Because Sula is finesse. He can push the ball forward. He can dribble with it. And Hernandez is like a battering ram. He will stop anyone who gets in front of him. And it's kind of how, you know, you had... Uh, Beckenbauer and Schwarzenbeck at the back, uh, in the back yes. at one point. Yeah. Sula is like the Beckenbauer, and uh, Hernandez is like the Schwarzenbeck. So that's how yes. you wanna, yeah. you wanna, yeah. So that's you want that combination always going. You don't want two very defensive ones, and you don't want two who can only pass like we had Boateng and Alaba last year. I think Sula and Hernandez are the best combination we can have. For Upamecano and Hernandez is the same as that, but moving it to Rudiger, then Rudiger would probably clash with Hernandez and you would leave us with only Upamecano and Nyonzu as passing centre-backs. And I think Sula is still better than Upamecano. He has more height. He has almost as much pace and he has, um, let's say, more experience. And that's valuable in my opinion. Agreed on all counts. So yeah, extend Zula should be the take-home message. And uh, yeah, if I were to talk to the Bayern board about this, I would just request them to set their differences aside for for a while and maybe just think about the long-term planning of the club, which is very important at this point because they're transitioning that, to, you know, yeah, I just think side. that, you know, I just think that Bayern board doesn't really rate Sula as highly as the fans do. You ever get that message that, you know, when he was struggling last year, there wasn't really that much support coming out for him and the idea that he would get good enough to you know, get back in the thing, get back into his stride, even though he'd just come out of an ACL. And he should have probably been yeah, extended a lot earlier than stretches, that. Yeah, there were these, there were these stretches, stretches repeat, where, re- repeated stretches yeah. when uh, B- Build was just churning out those chunky Zula posts and like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. making the comments about his fitness. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, it, was, yeah and I, it wasn't just Build. It was like, you know, the... Board also, I think Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, he did say that Sula needed to focus more on his football or something like that. I might be mistaken, yeah. but it, but the reception towards Sula has never been that good at the Bayern le- board level. Like It's been a little bit frosty. And I think that might play into this contract saga. I agree. I agree. So uh, for me, best case scenario is Sula extending. What is it for you? And uh, how would you like... Uh, things to go moving forward for Zula and for the rest of the center, uh, like central defense for Bayern. I hope that Zula gets extended. Once Zula is extended, we have enough, you know, we have enough central defenders. We probably get, 
after that, other extensions down like Gnabry and Lewandowski and Muller and whatnot, and hopefully Coman, but I think Coman's on his way out. But that's a different question. The thing about extensions is that we need to be looking towards keeping our squad together and we need the board to be more or less in tune with what they want to do. And one of the questions that you want, I wanted to talk about is a piece of evidence that the board hasn't been as harmonious on transfer decisions as we might think and as some people might have us believe because the same court case that caused the leaked WhatsApp messages to arise from Nicholas Sula's personal chat, that is a court case involving Timo Werner. And it was reported that Timo Werner actually had a deal to come to Bayern Munich a couple of summers ago. And the reason that he broke it off because of reports that Hasan Salihamidzic and Kovac, they did not want him at the club, even though Uli Hernes, who was still president back then, he negotiated the deal with Werner without really consulting the coach or the sporting director. So the fact that those kind of things could happen and, you know, you see other evidence of it elsewhere, like the friction between Hansi Flick and Brazil and the fact that Mark Roca is still here. He's still, he still can't get a single minute of playing time. Don't you think that despite the fact that Bayern have a reputation for running a very tight ship, there are some issues in the back room, you know? So in, yeah, I think, uh, you know, differences in opinion can be seen in every business structure. It is kind of normal, in my opinion. In this case, the friction between Brazo and Flick. I mean, which coach doesn't have the occasional disagreements with their, you know, board? Like, if you see Pep Guardiola is probably whining every summer for the transfers he wants, and he's probably pissed that, you know, the Man City board didn't spend another $150 million for Harry Kane. So this kind of thing happens everywhere, right? And I think it's the same with... Uh, Hansi Flick, but obviously to a much lesser extent, he just wanted some of his demands fulfilled. But I feel uh, coaching roles should be limited more or less to, you know, handling the players and the squad at the coach's disposal. And the coach shouldn't be given too much of a say with respect to squad planning and future decisions, because that comes under the purview of the sporting department and the sporting director, which is basically Brazo and the club scouts role, right? Yeah, and that's I think something, you have something to yeah. say on this. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that, honestly. That the coach, you know, he has to be coaching and he needs to be doing that as a full-time job. But the problem I see with the team of Werner News is the fact that not only was the coach against it, but also the sporting director, but then the club president went behind the coach's back and the sporting director's back to negotiate a rumor. And then the player found out and he decided to break it off himself. And I think it was a good thing that, you know, we didn't end up buying Werner, as you can see with his performances at Chelsea. But that being said, this is not exactly a good look for Bayern, in my opinion. Like we should be conducting things much more professionally. There should be more communication. And that's something that has been missing lately. And I don't believe everyone who says that there was no role played by the board when Hansi Flick's resignation happened. Like, it's not just the fact that the DFB job came into, uh, it became available. I think that Hansi Flick really did have a very, very serious criticism of how the club is being run at the top and how transfers and everything are being made. And that is something that caused him to, how should I say, just step away and step away and get, get somewhere that he could have more control. That being said, I don't think Nagelsmann is going to have much of an issue with that. 
in the sense that he doesn't really have the clout to push for transfers yet. But if Nagelsmann wins a Champions League, we might see more friction. Yeah, but then again, I feel the coach should never really have too much of a say with these kinds of things. Like, say we had actually gone with Hansi's, you know, requests and signed Timo Werner, like that would have not turned out very well, would it? Like, instead of Zani, for example. Like, I think uh, Werner wow. doesn't really fit Bayern's structure. Let's uh, be honest. It's, like, fun- it's funny you say that because a few we- if you ask, if you said this a few weeks ago, that signing Sane over Werner is a uh, is a good decision. People would have said, uh, "Are you nuts?" Because Sane wasn't performing well back then, and now that he's performing again, we can clearly see that Brazil was right. You had to sign Sane and not Werner because Werner hasn't pulled yeah, out of like slump yet. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to remind you that uh, although Sane was performing not not so well, like he was pretty poor uh, for a stretch. Werner was arguably worse. Like he yeah, Werner was day terrible. Day like it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're talking about a guy whose whose misses are always getting top up votes in our soccer because I I do feel sorry for him. Like it seems like he really wanted that move to Bayern and he really wanted to be here. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. Like I obviously understand that why he wanted to play for us, but he wasn't the right fit, and people should have uh, recognized Werner- that. Yeah, yeah Werner same, same. is like the the epitome of a system player. So yeah. he thrived really well under Leipzig system because he had Paulson in front of him. And uh, Paulson is not your typical, you know, speedy number nine who can like really, you know, do all of it, uh, like a bit of everything. He's more of a traditional slow number nine who just is good at hold up play and not much else. Like, I mean, I think I'm being a bit, uh, you know, uh, you can say... Uh, Quickly on him here a bit. Strict, no, no, no. I you're feel... being completely fair to him, honestly. I yeah, don't even know yeah. what else Paulson <laughs> is good at. He does score occasionally, but otherwise, I don't really think he offers much as an all-round striker other than hold-up play. Other than hold-up play, and I feel having. <laughs> uh, I think he scored uh, quite a few goals last season, but Did but he? still, I would say that's more uh, the work done by Forsberg and Co. than. You know, giving credit to yeah, Paulson. fair enough, fair enough. Paulson uh, is more like a Sandro Wagner style striker. Yeah, I I, I would say that the thing is that um, what we have with Timo Werner is a system player and a very specific system player. But the problem is Bayern already have their own system players, and we already have a system for them. And changing our system to suit Werner, that's not going to happen. I've seen how Hansi Flick uses Werner for the national team, and he is um good in link up play and all that all that stuff but he was again once again playing in the position behind the striker and that's where muller is going to play when he comes back this one international break we saw muller was not available so Werner got to play all three games but when muller comes back he's going to be benched straight away so i don't know is is that going to be like what the board were planning or what early hernes himself was planning when he decided to give Werner the contract that he wanted. The other thing is that also Werner wanted to move to Liverpool right after and then Klopp decided no, no, thank you and it ended up being Chelsea but that's a completely different discussion. Yeah, Chelsea can afford to make all those signings simply because they keep buying all the players they want anyways. So they don't really care about their failure rate. So, oh, Werner failed? Well, let's go for Lukaku. Oh, Lukaku is not performing well. Let's go for Haaland. They, They don't really care. Yeah, but goodness. it's not the same with Bayern. 
Yeah. I mean, imagine if we sign Werner and he fails, and then we end up with like Cody Gakpo or someone, you know, from <laughs> the Eredivisie. That's that's buying for you. Like we'd probably... Narayan, Narayan, just, just a second. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. say something. This is insane. Arsenal are beating Tottenham 3-0. Are you for real? No, way. no, no. This, this, it's real. Wow. I just, I just searched it while you were giving me a monologue, and I'm like, "Excuse me." Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! And also, we that are at incredible. our, we are at the 30 minute mark, so I think we need to wrap this up. I actually need to watch yeah, this yeah. because I, I don't know how is this possible. How are Arsenal winning? Arsenal winning Tottenham is such a Tottenham is such a banter club. They beat yeah. Man City this season, and they're losing three <laughs> to Arsenal. <laughs> they beat Man like, City. Man City yeah. are another banter club. They're all banter clubs in the EPL, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And Man United recently two one nil losses. I don't. Yeah, they, they lost to Southampton as well, and then Bruno Fernandez yeah. missed a penalty. So we're not going to hear anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not going to hear anything about you know Fernandez being a better penalty taker than Lewandowski at least. Or or Fernandez being a better centre attacking midfielder than Thomas Miller, for example. Oh my you know? God! Don't don't even yeah. bring that up. I don't think even Man United fans make that comparison anymore. Yeah, probably only the Twitter fanboys, I guess. Twitter fanboys are yeah. the worst, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay, okay. We are we are definitely losing our focus here. So I think we had a productive discussion, and the next week we will talk about how terrible the back three is. Stay tuned for that. I hope. Um, and uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not. I I'm not. Yeah, and and since, be... and since Schnitzel is pro back three, I will not be inviting him on that podcast. So stay tuned for that too. We are going to be getting only anti back threes to talk about anti back three talking points. So be braced for that. And the other thing is follow us on social media. Look us up on any of the preferred podcast channels. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anything you can think of. Uh, Go and comment on our blog. Check out our articles. We have a lot of coverage. Join our community and we will see you next time. Good night. Schnitzel, say good night. Auf Wiedersehen. Gute Nacht. Okay, that was fancy. Good night, everyone.